Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I was thinking, uh, Tommy, 14 years ago this month, you sang that same song here. Well, it wasn't here. It was in another building. But it was right here where this pulpit was. And uh, I remember uh, because we were having supper afterward, and I was congratulating Brother Aaron. He was a student in college at that time. And I said, uh, one thing this church has got, man, it's got some musical talent. And, uh, and then he said, well, all of these come from another church. <laughs> They're not in this church. <laughs> and I thought, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> somebody raised up some good musical talent somewhere. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And then you college guys, hey, uh, Kayla is our intern, so anything at ETBU you need, uh, just call her. I'm sure all you guys have her number by now. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm just being honest. And ladies, too, I'll throw them in there, too. Now, Laterno, if you want in on that, let me know, and I'll give you her number. And uh, <laughs> there's one good thing about, about Woodland Hills and college kids. Anytime we eat... It's free for college kids. And I'm not talking pimento cheese sandwiches. I'm talking gourmet meals. So we're, we're thankful to have uh, our college kids with us this morning. Romans chapter 4. We're preaching through the book of Romans on Sunday morning. We've covered the first three chapters. And it's been kind of doom and gloom and, and uh, to the Gentiles and to the Jews. And, and, uh, but... But then we come to chapter 4. Things kind of change gears. Uh, Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described uh, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not compute sin. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again how we've been blessed this morning. I pray that your spirit would continue just to speak to our hearts and our lives. We realize here today, God, that we're nothing and you're everything. We must decrease, you must increase. And Lord, as we're just your vessels here, I ask you to preach through me the word that you want everyone to hear. And let them hear God with clarity and with understanding the precious word of God and what it means to each one of us individually today. We love you. Ask you to do great things in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I had a funny thing happen to me this week. Uh, I was at Walmart. And uh, that's always an experience within itself. Uh, but uh, I got lost in Walmart. I know where everything is at Super One, but Walmart, I was looking for the peanut butter and ended up on a section with all of the little baby clothes and formula and all that stuff. 
And as I was walking down to try to find the peanut butter, there was this older couple there. And they had a basket full of, uh, it was formula, diapers, uh, uh, baby powder, baby shampoo, wipes, all this stuff. But the thing that caught my attention the most was just how giggly they were. I mean, it's like two newlyweds. I didn't know any better. Just giggling, 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 you know. And so I walked by and I said, uh, uh, and preachers can stick their feet in their mouth quick. And uh, I said, uh, y'all getting ready for a grandchild? And she looked at me and uh, she said, uh, no, we're getting ready to have a baby. Now at that moment, I had to think about my mama dying to keep from laughing right there. But I overcame it. And I said, I mean, it just burst out. How old are you? She said, well, I'm 90 years old, and my husband here is 100. I said, wow. I said, you, you don't look pregnant. She said, oh, I'm not. But God told us we were going to have a son, so... We just thought we ought to get ready for it. You say, preacher, that is ridiculous. That's exactly what happened to Abraham and Sarah. Can you imagine the cricks in the necks when they announced they were going to have a baby? She's 90 years old. He's 100. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably have a whole time, a hard time getting you to believe that unless you're from Colorado and smoking stuff that's illegal down here. <laughs> but that's exactly what the Word of God says happened, and we believe it. I, 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 you know, you've heard my philosophy before. If you will understand Genesis 1-1, you won't have any problem with anything else in the rest of the Bible. In the beginning, God. That's all the explanation you need. Done been there, done that, done seen God move. I'm telling you, he's real, he's powerful, he is glorious, he's holy, he's honorable. Uh, anything you name, that's what God is. So this chapter here, it's a little different kind of sermon this morning, but it, it gives two testimonies, one of Abraham, and then he moves on to David. Now Abraham, uh, God tells us how Abraham was saved in verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, he had faith in righteousness, not work righteousness. Abraham's works did not save him. We've been on this back and forth now for the last few weeks. And if you're not careful, you'll come to the idea that we need to work in order to be saved. That is not what I've been saying. It's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm saying when you get saved, one of the byproducts of salvation is the works and the fruit. And if you don't have any works and you don't have any fruit, you need to check on your foundation of your salvation. Uh, because Abraham, it, he reckoned grace. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if you could work your way to heaven, your reward would be based on what you could do. And you would be taking glory from God. Let me just give you a little hint this morning. You're not going to steal God's glory. That's not going to happen. You're not going to take glory from God. And so it's by faith. His righteousness was a faith righteousness, not a work righteousness. Let me give you just a... 
simple illustration. Brother Kevin is right down here on the front row. If somebody takes a shot at me, he's going to get in the way of that, and that bullet in me. That's what he does. Amen? And he's sincere. He'll do it. But he's also a very uh, wonderful man. They were here when I came 14 years ago. Not a better family in this church than this family right here. He, suppose he came to me this week and said, Pastor, <clears throat> they hit oil on my land, and I am rich. I'm not just rich. I'm filthy rich. And uh, I want to buy you a new car. I said, well, Kevin, you don't need to buy me a new car. Yeah, I want to buy. I haven't done anything for you in a long time. I want to buy you a new car. And I don't want just any car. I want to buy you an expensive car, a good car, a nice car. And he'd probably throw in there because your wife deserves it, not you. All right? So we decide that he's going to buy me a Mercedes Benz. Fifty grand. That's the starting price. And I wouldn't want radio or anything in it, just a split-down model. $50,000 is what that car cost. And I said, Kevin, I can't, you can't do that. I, 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 need, I can't let you do that. He said, I want to do it. I said, well, at least let me help pay for it. And I take out a quarter and give it to Kevin. <laughs> now, Kevin has paid $49,999.75. And I paid 25 cents, two bits. But some of y'all see me in town. You say, Hunt, boy, that's a nice car you got. Yeah, uh, me and Kevin bought this car. <laughs> you say, wait a minute. You put two bits in there, and Kevin paid $49,999.75, and now you're saying you and him bought this car? That makes just as much sense as you thinking you've worked your way to heaven. Jesus has already come and he's died on the cross. He's been crucified. He went through the mock trials. All of the, literally whipped to within an inch of his life. And then we want to throw up our two bits worth of work and say, Lord, we've done it together. No, he hadn't. It's by faith. That's it. You can't work your way to heaven. Even if you could, your works would be as filthy rags. Uh, you can't do it. When you add your two bits worth to yourself, you have robbed God of his glory. And, and that is not going to be... I'm going to tell you what we're going to be doing when we get to heaven, if you make it. I don't want to give you any false hope. But if we get to heaven, I'll tell you what we're going to be doing. Singing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Don't get the idea that you can add a little bit to it. Because when you do, you take away the glory of God. There's not any peacocks in heaven. Nobody up there strutting around. We all understand that it's him and him alone. So Abraham gives us that idea here. And then he moves on to David. You come down to verse 6. And even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquity are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, I wonder where he got that. See, when you go back to Psalms chapter 32, this is what David said. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit 
there is no guile. What a wonderful statement. What an amazing thing here. Uh, God tells us how David was saved. He was saved as a sinner. Psalm 32 tells us that. It, it, it says he, he enjoys a happiness, not because he was sinless, but because he was saved as sinless. Now, in verse 6, David described blessedness of the man. The word blessed here in the Greek, ton makarisma, and it doesn't mean blessedness. What it means is pronounced blessed. See, God has not necessarily, quote, made you blessed. He has pronounced you blessed. See, God hasn't made you sinless. He has pronounced you sinless. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But when Christ comes in, he imputes his righteousness into us. And so we get the same righteousness that Christ had. And so we're pronounced that way. Uh, the psalmist tells it, and let me just give you three things, and I'll be like Elizabeth Taylor. I won't keep you long, what she told her seventh husband. Won't take but just a few minutes here this morning, all right? The first thing you see here is God forgives sin. God forgives sin. Now, the whole theme of this thing throughout here, I want you to keep this on your mind. God accepts the devil's outcast. See, every one of us here, we've already termed that in Romans 3, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We belong in hell. We belong to the devil. But God accepts the devil's outcast. And that's a, that's a shouting ground right there. So God forgives his sin. Does the, merit, does the blessed man, what does he do to merit all of this? Why would God do that? It's not because he worked. It, 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 all he does, listen, all you do to get in the righteousness of Christ is to be sincere with God. Amen. Quit lying about your sin. I mean, when you, uh, I've had people before, some of you in this room here, when we prayed the sinner prayer right there, I've stopped you and said, you need to repray that prayer. That's not right. When you start saying, God, you know, I've tried to do the best I can. What, what does that get you? Nothing. Nothing. David said, I acknowledge my sin unto the Lord. He took the place of a sinner. He admitted it. I'll confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And, and literally, this condemns uh, intermediate and priesthood and religion. We don't need a priest. David went directly to God as a sinner, and he got his sins forgiven. There was no intermediary at all. And, and he, he did this, and it's written for us. And then the Bible says, and thou forgavest my sin. Now, I want to tell you something. You go to all the priests or all the preachers or all the rabbis you want to, there's not a one of them that can forgive your sin. There's only one person who can forgive your sin, and that's God Almighty. That's it. Nobody else can do that. So God forgives. We ought to be shouting that from the housetop. Hallelujah. God forgives. Man, if you're sitting here this morning saying, you don't know what I did, I don't care what you did. If you're sincere with God and you come to him and admit you're a sinner, he will forgive you of that sin and not hold it against you. That's what our God does. He forgives sinners. And there's an interesting study here on the Hebrew word forgives. 
Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. It literally, the Hebrew word natsa means to lift up. In other words, what he's doing here, he's saying, we got a burden. Some of y'all this morning came in here with a burden. Man, you're, you're, you're weighted down. You can see it on your face. I mean, you, you can tell it in your heart. Let me tell you, sin will break the mind. It'll crack the soul. It'll put lines in your face. It'll destroy the cells of your body. It'll create ulcers. And it'll bring on heart attacks and nervous breakdowns. Sin does all of that. And you may have come in here with a great burden. Well, in the, in the Hebrew word here, Christ lifts that burden. Ooh, that'd make a backslidden Episcopalian want to shout. He lifts that burden. And when he lifts that burden, I don't have to carry it anymore. It's not mine. He lifts the burden. As I was studying this, this same word was used in Isaiah 53 when David had a load and the Lord lifted it for him. David couldn't lift it. And Isaiah 53 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You see, Christ is the subject in this. He's the one that's doing the lifting of the load. In Bunyan's uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress there, there's a picture of a sinner with a load on his back and the New Testament in his hand crying out, what must I do to be saved? And he finally got rid of his load, and that's when Jesus lifted him up. Blessed is the man whose sins are lifted up off his shoulders is what he's literally saying here. Mm. Next that's here is uh, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. Hebrew word for cover is kasa, which means to conceal or to hide from somebody so that they can't see it. You see, somebody else now is doing the hiding. It's not we're hiding it. It's God's hiding it. I mean, man, I tell you, these are crazy days we live in today. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm really thankful, young people, that I'm on my way out and not on my way in. I really am. I, I don't know how much more of this that, that us old people can take. I, I really just don't know. Uh, but uh, my soul, please do not go back and try to dig something up on me 40 years ago or 50 years ago. I got friends that would love to hang me out. And you can find all kinds of things. And everybody today is saying, well, he did this 30 years ago. He don't deserve this. Well, let me tell you, I read somewhere where if you came to Jesus, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So don't sit there and tell me you don't deserve that. I'm telling you, he forgives sin. And not only does he forgive sin, but he covers sin. I mean, if you robbed a bank 35 years ago, but you got saved, you repented of that, and God forgave you of that, and then you're still carrying that around today, and you're saying, Lord, you know, it's that thing back 40 years ago, and God's saying, I don't understand what you're talking about, because I've already forgotten that, I've already forgiven that, I've already concealed that, it's over with, you're going to have to rob a bank today to confess to robbing a bank, because I already forgot that. And we're still trying to bring up that old again because it's, it's on our conscience. There are three thoughts here. Sin is a burden, but Christ lifts that burden so we don't have to bear it. Sin is a shame, but Christ conceals it so we don't have to see it. And then sin is sorrow, and God forgets it, and we can forget it too. And when the sorrow goes, let me tell you what comes in its place. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
when the sorrow goes. You see, the only man God can bless is the man who does not hide or bottle up his sin. He brings his sin in the open before God. He comes clean before God. And the scripture said, in whose spirit is no guile. That means no deception, no insincerity. If you want God to lift your burdens this morning, you want God to lift your sin this morning, you want God to conceal your sin this morning, you want God to not impute your sin any longer, you've got to deal with God honestly. And coming before God saying, well, you know, God, I, you know, I'm as good as anybody else down there at that church. Whoo, that's saying a whole lot. We've got some ring-tailed toots in here. <laughs> Starting here. <laughs> Don't you compare yourself to this church. If you want to compare yourself, you compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Because that's where you'll fall. We're all sinners. Every one of us have come short of the glory of God. But Christ conceals our sin then that last point i'm through sin is sorrow but god doesn't think anymore about it he forgets it so we can forget it too no wonder david cries out oh blessedness of the man no wonder he's been carrying this load of adultery and carrying this load of of murder all of that's been carried around on him and suddenly god says you're forgiven I'm not going to remember it anymore. It's concealed. The shame is gone. And David cries out, oh, blessedness. That's why he cries that out. God is a God of forgiveness. God receives the devil's outcast. That's what David meant when he said, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Hmm. Now, a mother and a father will usually stay with somebody about as long as anybody else will. They really do. I think maybe the real truth of the matter is, <laughs> let me try to do this de delicately. God will receive some folks that we don't receive. I mean, take with me this example. Here's a little lady been serving the Lord for years and years. She's done everything she can, but she's worked her way on up to heaven, and she thinks she's all right there, and she dies. She's made pies. She's sewed clothes. She's gone to the hospital. She's done all of this. And when she gets there, she's going to hear a judge say, Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Hmm? Now, can you, am I the only one who thinks that's kind of harsh? And yet, here's a man in prison. He's on death row. The conviction of the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him, and he gets gloriously saved. He goes to the electric chair. And he walks up to the judge and he says, come on in. See, we're, we're performance-based people. If I do a good job, you'll like me. If I don't do a good job, you won't like me. <laughs> That's the way it's been in school. Now, we're trying to, and I don't like it, but we're trying to adjust it. 
I mean, you go to basketball games now with little guys, and, and they say, uh, I say, well, man, y'all won. Oh, no, Brother Charles, nobody wins in this league. We all win. Well, that's a little bit different theology than what I was raised on. I mean, one of the glorious things, <laughs> how do you know the victory if you've never had defeat? How can you rejoice in the victory if you've never been defeated? We're performance-based. When I did my homework, my parents were happy. When I didn't, they weren't. It's performance-based. If somebody, if we've got a young person here that, and we've got many of them here that do great jobs, they've done, do ministry that you don't know anything about. We were, what was it? They're all gone. They're in children's church. Friday, I needed two guys to help lift a big old shredder. It took four people to move it. Brother Aaron was here, and I was here. Two young people right down here in 10 minutes. Oh, we'll be glad to help you. Hmm. So we're performance-based, but let me tell you, God is not performance-based. If you come to him honestly and sincerely and you repent of your sins, you admit you're a sinner, the Bible says, Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love those words, whosoever. I love those words, all. I'll tell you right now, if you're visiting here and you think that there's just a select few that God has chosen to be saved, you're probably in the wrong church. Because we spend every ounce of money we've got and every detail we can to try to reach lost people. I believe the little boy out here in the trailer park at six years old can be saved just like a man that's been a deacon for 30 years. When they come to Jesus, David was an adulterer, a murderer. He deserved hell, but he said this, I acknowledge my transgression to the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. In other words, God lifted his burden, his adultery and murder. He concealed the shame, and then he refused to think about it any longer. What a mighty God we've got. We've got a God who will accept the devil's outcast. He forgives sin. Some of you this morning, what you really need to do is let go and let God forgive you of your sins. You need to say, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I acknowledge my sins, and I want your forgiveness today. Martin Luther, of course, the beginning of the Reformation, was in the church of St. John Lateran in Rome. And uh, there's a set of medieval uh, stone stairs there. People go there because they, they think that's the, uh, they call it the Holy Stairs or the Scala Sancta. Uh, and they would ascend on these stairs on their knees uh, because they thought these were the stairs that Jesus walked going up to Pilate's house. And so they would stop and, and their knees would be bleeding and all of that. And they'd see the blood there and they would think that's the blood of Jesus. And, and I'm not making light of it. I'm, I'm just telling you that's what they did. Luther did the same thing. But one day Luther on top, he read a scripture. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. He saw clearly that all he was doing was superstition, and he realized he could never save himself by works. And he came down those stairs a new man. And, of course, he became the man God used for the greatest reformation the church has ever known. But now listen, there's, there's something here that, 
that you, you need to understand that some of us forget about. The scripture does not simply say that the righteous will be saved by faith. It's just not that the righteous will be saved by faith. The scripture says the righteous will live by faith. We're not only saved by faith, but we must live by faith. And uh, boy, faith is not just something by which we enter into a right relationship with Christ. Uh, I, I remember many years ago, and I don't remember the evangelist, but I remember very well the outcome. He was saying this lady was just negative, pessimistic. Her family had sent her to counselors. They'd been, had called in the preachers there. They'd been dealing with her, and, and just out of a frustration, her family just said, Granny, we done all we can do for you. You're just going to have to trust God for the rest. And that dear little old lady looked up at them and said this, has it come to that? See, that's how most of us are today. <laughs> we'll do everything we can to, finish, to, to work something out or finish something. And if nothing works, then we'll say, well, it's come to the time I need to pray. I need to send a prayer request out and I need to pray. When in reality, that ought to come first. That ought to come first. If you're here this morning, Oh, listen, and you've got a load that you're carrying. Listen, the good news this morning is that the Holy Spirit is drawing you and God is speaking to you. You can bring that load to this altar and Christ will lift that load off of you. He will forgive your sin. He will conceal your sin. And I want to tell you, here's a good thing. The Bible says that he will not impute that sin again against us. He won't hold it against us. He's never going to bring it up again because of your forgiveness and sincerity. If you need a church home, man, this is the place to be. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. Especially if you're here when the visiting preachers are here. It's really a great church then, like tomorrow night. If you need a church home, this home will minister to you and help you. If you need to, someone to pray with you, this staff will pray with you. If you need to come to this altar, we still believe in old-fashioned altars that you can come and kneel and pray and, and trust God on. It's your decision. What you want to do. You can walk out of here, hump back with that load still on you, or you can come and get redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and that load be lifted. And you can walked in here with mourning and sadness and walk out of here with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Father, we are grateful today for just the opportunity you give us to be in this service. Thank you for the testimonies of, of Abraham and the testimony of David. Thank you, Lord, that within that, we see that you love sinners, that you forgive sin, that you cover our sin, and that you promise not to impute our sin again. Remember it no more. God, would you speak today? Lord, let your Holy Spirit, I know all I am is a vessel. I just give out the word. God, I'm representing you. Lord, would your Holy Spirit work in lives that need to be saved today? And God, would today be a day of salvation for those that need it? Any decisions that need to be made, Lord, would you work it out in your own plan and time? In Jesus' name, would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads our invitation hymn? You come right now. Don't wait on somebody. Come on. If God said come, come.